The Federal Reserve's plan to slow down spending is working. The housing market is being highly affected. We're going to talk about that today, plus a few other things going on in the world, such as the Nord Stream 1's pipeline explosion or sabotage that some people are saying. So sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. Welcome back, bold Americans. All right, we need to talk about the Federal Reserve and the combat against inflation and what's going wrong right now in our economy. If you've been paying attention to what they were trying to do by raising interest rates was to cool spending, except that spending now may be cooled to such a point that the housing market may completely collapse and not in a proper way, not a way where people start lowering the price of homes. No, no, no. I mean, it just may price people out of the market completely because people aren't going to take less money for their home when it costs more to live. See, we're not keeping up with inflation with wages. So yes, mortgage rates now are over 7% as of today, which means they've more than doubled in just the last seven months. Now, depending on what time of day you're listening to this podcast, perhaps they dipped underneath 7%. Perhaps they're even further above 7% because it does kind of uh, dip and go higher throughout the day. That's fine. Uh, But we need to talk about what does this mean? What does this mean for the average American? Well, if you are somebody who is looking to get into a home, maybe you're in your 20s looking to purchase your first home, interest rates have likely priced you out of the market, meaning that just about uh, compared to six months ago, seven months ago, you're now going to spend an additional $300 likely per month in order to get the home that you're hoping to purchase. Now, that may not sound like a ton of money to some people, but $300 over the course of 180 payments, all right, will quickly bring you to $54,000 extra that you're paying for that home. That's an issue. Not just that, but if we look at where are the uh, top places, the market's cooling, it's almost all on the West Coast, the major cooling that's going on, the over-influx of um, homes And the number one city where the housing market is cooling the fastest right now is Seattle, Washington, followed by Las Vegas, number two, San Jose in California, number four, San Diego in California, followed by Sacramento, California, and Denver, Colorado in a tie, Phoenix, Arizona, Oakland, California, and then we finally hit the East Coast in ninth, Northport, Florida, followed by Tacoma, Washington. So when we look at the price of homes in Seattle, Washington, we look at Las Vegas, what we find are home prices are finally starting to drop. Uh, We've had record hikes of pricing, but as these prices are dropping, there are not people buying the homes. The reason they're not buying is because the Fed has raised the rate hikes to cool spending and it's working. 
but that's not necessarily a good thing. This simply means that people that need to move are not going to be able to. People that want to buy are now not going to be able to or are going to be further put into debt from where they should be. This is a problem for creating wealth in our country right now. And part of me thinks that perhaps this is all manufactured. If we look at the larger uh, environment, the larger picture, this uh, want to maybe keep people out of owning homes, it's got to be part of the agenda. It really has to. So the Federal Reserve, they're continuing to move these interest rates. Mortgage financing is becoming more uh, expensive. And the price of homes is decelerating, but not lowering. And the reason it can't lower is because the wages aren't going up for people right now. The cost of goods is going up across the board. And so if the wages aren't going up, people can't offer more money. But if you lower the price of your home, it means you can't purchase the next home. So everything's coming to an absolute standstill here in this country. And it's going to be uh, quite a horrible show here in the future, uh, the way we are moving uh, towards things. Now, for the first time since the Great Recession, Forbes magazine also stated today that the rich, super rich, did not get richer this year. Now, depending on perhaps your ideology tells you whether or not you should celebrate that. Uh, in some respects, I think that now that COVID is moving beyond people like Jeff Bezos that was making more money with Amazon, uh, maybe that's a, a reason why you know there's a drop in shares for Amazon because people that have been purchasing have been purchasing now for the past two years and the growth may not be there. But Bill Gates, uh, he moved up this year. Uh, he moved up to the number three spot in the world for the richest people in the top 400. Uh, Elon Musk is still worth about $60.5 billion more than he was last year. And that's really because of new rounds of funding to SpaceX and his um, ventures that he's had there. Uh, but that will likely drop with what's going on with Twitter in the future. <laughs> uh, but this is uh, an interesting uh, viewpoint, though, that the super rich are not really getting richer. And uh, that tells us a lot about our uh spot that we're in. The last time we saw this was the Great Recession. So is another Great Recession uh, coming for us now here in 2022? I'd say yes. I'd say that the signs, seeing where we have interest rates getting to price us out of the market, uh, seeing the fact that all the other economic uh, pointers are telling us the recession's here, uh, we're probably going to see another 18 months of pain. That would be what I would say was probably going to happen. It's going to be about 18 months, maybe two years of uh, some pretty bad economic time. So you're going to need a plan. You're going to have to be able to weather the storm, so to speak, uh, until this goes away. But here, here's what I expect. I expect that as we get towards the midterms, this will all be kind of a brushed underneath the carpet. Uh, there'll be some improvements made in the economy that they can tout before the November election date. And then after the election, that's when I think everything's going to go downhill. That's when I think that uh, people will get distracted with other things, uh, but the economy 
is what you need to keep your eye on. There may be other news stories going on in the world, whether that's Ukraine and Russia, uh, but what you need to pay attention to by far is going to be the economic story. And I don't know that I have uh, all the answers for you at the present moment. Uh, and I may never have all the answers for you. It's, I think it's going to be a personal thing. How do you want to protect your family? And so the biggest thing I could tell you is now is not the time to be taking on new debt. Now is not the time to all of a sudden find yourself uh, needing to um, take out a large part of cash for a big purchase. If you can get by right now without financing, that would be the best thing to do. Also, if you have an opportunity to use cash, please do. Uh, if you don't have that opportunity, then obviously don't overtax yourself. But if you can use cash, do so. Anything you can do to protect yourself against the predatory, and I'm going to use that word predatory, uh, lending of the Federal Reserve, because they don't have to do what they're doing right now. They're choosing to do what they're doing right now, manipulating the currency in order to um, kind of, I think, prop up a lot of other things in the world. Uh, they're choosing this action. And so we need to make sure that we are protecting ourselves from the upcoming economic uncertainty. And you can see the signs are all across. If you listen to uh, all the different banks and the statements that they're making, everybody's been preparing for a recession now for the, since last December. Uh, that's really when a lot of the news stories started coming out. So prepare like they are. Just lock down things, get yourselves ready, buckle up. Um, it's, it's likely going to be a, a, a potential uh, problem moving forward. Now, the White House has been asked to comment on the economic uncertainty. And just uh, yesterday in a press conference, they avoided the question after it was asked to them, you know, the White House, are they looking to take any other measures towards this uh, economy and what's going on? And the response was, we're not here to talk about midterms. See, that's, that's all they have left at the White House right now. They don't have an action plan. They don't have a way out. So instead, it's deflect, oh, well, this is a midterm issue. No, this is actually a, an issue that's been affecting every single American family for month on month on month, and it's, it's not getting better. Or they're celebrating the fact that gas prices have come down from where they were over the summer, but they're still too high. They're still $2 too high, right? And so that's a problem too. But apparently the White House doesn't want to talk about it. They don't want you discussing their shortcomings. They want to stay focused on the narrative that everything's good to go. Everything is just as planned. Donald Trump is a bad man. Uh, MAGA Republicans are bad. These extremists. They don't want to talk about what's actually going on in the world, which is the fact that inflation's running away. Families are seeing pain when they go to the grocery store. Every time they have to write out a check, the uh, energy sector is poised to have a record uh, year next year of increasing cost for people. Uh, it's the reason why I just made a choice to, to go solar. Um, I'll talk to you guys about that in a later episode, but yeah, I, I've chosen to go solar on my home uh, just because I know that the 
power from the electric companies is going to start going up. And uh, I don't see that coming back down. It's not going to get cheaper to produce over time. So why not hedge my bets and get ahead from everybody else? I think that's important. But if you're also paying attention to what's going on in the world, what's going on overseas, did you see what happened with the Nord Stream 1 pipeline? Well, the gas pipeline had three offshore uh, pipelines damaged in one day. And some prominent people in the <laughs> on Twitter are blaming the United States, saying it was sabotaged. Um, so I, I don't know what exactly happened, but there's like 500 meters of damage in the Baltic Sea. This is completely unprecedented. So what exactly would a, uh, a sabotage due to this line because European leaders right now believe that that's what happened. All right. So according to the Washington post, uh, their story came in stating that, uh, European leaders stated that, uh, they believe dual explosions damaged pipelines that were built to carry Russian natural gas to Europe. Uh, so they're claiming it's deliberate. Now, some people are blaming the Kremlin, suggesting that the blast were intended as a threat to the continent. Others have blamed the United States, either directly or indirectly via Twitter from other foreign governments. Now, this episode of what happened will certainly continue to disrupt the energy sector in Europe. It's almost like there was a president that one time told the European countries this could happen. Hmm. Do you remember that? Germany is totally controlled by Russia. It's very sad when Germany makes a massive oil and gas deal with Russia where you're supposed to be guarding against Russia and Germany goes out and pays billions and billions of dollars a year to Russia. Oh, yeah. The, he did make a comment about that. I forgot about that. And and. I also remember that the entire world was upset with his words, saying he was insulting them at this meeting, that he was insulting NATO over the support. But, you know, Trump is actually looking like a prophet now. Uh, he was frighteningly correct about what was going on. <sighs> my, my, my. All right, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about Nord Stream 1 as well as a few other stories that are going on in the United States right now, not just the world. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. As Americans, we seek to form a more perfect union. To paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And God willing, we shall not perish from the earth. AmericaOutloud.com Liberty and justice for all. 
In 2008, the amount of concentrated time people could spend on a task without becoming distracted was 12 seconds. Five years later, it was only eight seconds, one second less than a goldfish. The digital age is narrowing our attention span. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Advanced nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-based ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.5 proves it works. Supercharge your brain and see the difference. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. That's HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. All right. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulpidone iodine-based nasal spray, Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the CofixRx banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD. Bold Americans, we're talking about Nord Stream 1 and possibly Nord Stream 2 here. And people saying that perhaps the United States has sabotaged this line. If only we had somebody that could give us an answer on whether or not the United States has will or capability to do so. Oh, wait a minute. See, I, I hate when I say this, but I think we have audio of that too. Let me answer the first question first. If Germany, if, uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the uh, the, the border of Ukraine uh, again, then uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer a Nord Stream two. We we will bring it into it. But but how will you how will you do that exactly? Since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control, we will. Uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. So Joe Biden then gets a funny smirk on his face. I uh, start smiling, thinking about possibly what have they done to Nord Stream 1. So maybe there is some truth. Maybe we did. Um, we have uh, good intelligence that if Nord Stream 2 should go down, that Germans would still probably have about three months worth of gas in silos, as well as there's some other gas lines from other countries that come in. But it would still be crippling to cost. So while I don't think people will freeze to death over this, I think people would still have the ability to get some gas from Kazakhstan and Iran and some other places. The truth of the matter is the cost is going to go up. And as the cost goes up, eventually things start getting cut off from people when you can't afford it. And so that's the real problem here is what is this going to do to the global economy and local economy there? Um, so now people are asking today, Gee, I wonder, wonder what happened, Nord Stream 1 and 2. 
Why did they lose pressure and just collapse under deep sea pressure all of a sudden? It's just such a mystery. <laughs> was it Joe Biden? Was that really a mystery or was this really well planned? Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think that the Nord Stream was the United States, the UK, or do you think it was Russia self-sabotaging their own uh, own lines in order to try to cripple another country? Uh, there's a lot of people that already uh, believe that there's more than meets the eye going on right now, which leads me to talking a little bit more about what is going on in the world. What are some of these other stories? Well, maybe you've been following the story about uh, food scarcity that might be coming. Uh, a lot of people are blaming the war in Ukraine and what happened to the wheat fields. Or maybe you should be paying attention to the story that 70% of Americans, according to a survey by Blue Crew, uh, which is a workforce as a service platform, stated that 70% uh, of Americans are looking for extra work to combat inflation which means that the, the rapid inflation that we're seeing uh, is really hurting people uh, and that they need to find ways to make up the deficits. They need to make sure that they have ways to pay the bills. Uh, so that's one way that uh, we see inflation hurting. Um, also, we're seeing labor shortages. Uh, so while people are trying to take on more uh, responsibilities, uh, in some industries, such as uh, education, we are seeing school districts uh, that are trying to uh, stop supply chain issues, labor shortages. They're fighting inflation too. The cost of goods to educate your students, youth, is, is going through the roof. Uh, so inflation's hurting all of us across the board. And we also need to talk about what's going on in Florida right now as Hurricane Ian has made landfall. This is something that is going to have another economic impact. And more importantly than the economic impact is I hope that all my listeners that have family and loved ones in that area, that everybody is safe, that they were able to get out of the area and get to a safer um, spot to ride out the storm. But certainly there's going to be uh, loss of property, hopefully uh, minimum loss of life is what we hear of. No loss of life would be grand, but this is all going to continue to drive cost up. There is no way out of this. The, the great recession is coming. It's coming so fast. And I, I don't know if there's people that still are unwilling to look at that, unwilling to see it. Uh, but it's it's definitely going to be um, important. Now, completely other stories. Let's move on from the whole inflation conversation, Nord Stream 1. <laughs> um, General Motors delayed return to office mandates because their employees created such a backlash against them. Uh, so now they have to do damage control. And I'm hearing this story from many other industries, the banking industry, People are really upset with the corporate world for mandating people coming back into the office after they spent two years with the companies making record profits and not having them in the office and getting their work done. In fact, um, it showed that 
the work could be done without people having to be in a building for 40 hours a week or 40 plus hours a week. Uh, but the, the tagline from all these companies is, is always the same that, yeah, while there was a collaborative culture over the past two years, uh, there are so many more benefits of being in person and people really enjoy that. Nope. Sorry, you're wrong. You know what people really enjoy? People really enjoy waking up in their own bed, walking down to their desk and getting their job done that way when it is appropriate, when they have a job that that can be done with. This whole force everybody back into an office simply because we own the space is backwards thinking. Now, it's not, you know, your employees thought that you can't sell that space to somebody else because everybody else is in the same exact scenario. But you could at least, you know, mothball it up. You could uh, turn the lights off and start to save that money in order to have more uh, productivity. Matter of fact, I, I would venture to say most companies saw more productivity with people working from home than they saw in the office with all the distractions and constant changes from what was going on. Um, so if you're being called back in, how do you feel about that? And again, there's nothing wrong. I mean, some people have been working the entire time well, I th from you know the office, but I think what I'm trying to point out is this. This isn't about COVID. This is about the way things always have been done, that conversation, and can we do them differently and get the same or better results? And I think for many industries, we discovered we're forcing people into a building simply to have them inside the building, not because it made the job uh, that much better. Uh, some of these industries could certainly, certainly make sure that people did not have to be in nearly as much. Maybe come in for some training. Then after that, uh, just when you have big meetings and really need all hands on deck, or if somebody's not performing, you know, they got to work from the office and if they can't get it done, then they're fired. Or if they're not performing, just fire them. Uh, no reason to, to keep people going. I think that that's a, that's a conversation that we need to have. Now, this goes into, you know, I think it was Colorado a while back. They went to a four-day school week where they were giving uh, teachers the opportunity to have a planning day to get ready and catch up on things. And people freaked out. They're like, but our jobs require us to work that fifth day. What are we going to do about the kids? This is kind of the problem with education, right? When parents get into that part of the conversation, then what you're basically telling a, a teacher is that the teacher is a daycare for your child. I'm sorry, as a high school teacher, I'm not a daycare for a child. I'm there to educate in a highly effective way and prepare them for jobs in the career field that I teach. But I get that you, know, you want to make sure you have some synergy between what the working world's doing and what the school world is doing. So I understand the frustration there. Uh, but again, I, I, I just challenge that thought process of this, the way it always has been done. It's the way it always needs to be done. I, I was a much more refreshed individual when we had the asynchronous days where I would just have office hours and talk to my students and help them through the homework and stuff uh, instead of uh, being in school every day, five days a week, going through the grind. We've never taught before. You really don't have a good appreciation for what it's like to grind as a teacher uh, each day throughout the week, through your weekends, preparing, getting things ready for 280 straight days until the, the you know summer break is back. 
on sure there's Christmas break or Easter break, you know, the fall or winter and spring breaks. Um, but that's, you're still on the mindset of what needs to get done when I get back, right? It, that doesn't go away. And so a teacher's life is a little bit different than the average working world. Now I've worked in other working environments. And so I have a little bit of a, a experience to base that off of. And I can definitely say that while I love being a teacher, I really enjoy it. Um, it really is a nonstop work type of environment uh, that people don't give a lot of credit to. So maybe we could go to a four-day week for education and be more productive. Uh, maybe in turn of going to a four-day work week, you could end some of the summer break and have school more consistent year-round, as we see in other countries that are successful. Uh, sure, the unions probably won't like me saying that, but that's okay. Sometimes we need to think beyond the way that we are thinking that things can be done. I think that's extremely important. We constantly ask the questions and say, hey, could we do this better? Is that possible? If we're not doing that, and that's really the, uh, the problem that I think we could run into. And in my last story today, if you didn't see this news, uh, yesterday we found out that the United States patrolling the Coast Guard found Chinese and Russian naval ships off an Alaskan island. Yes, that's right. Uh, they were in formation. Uh, they had a missile cruiser uh, was observed about 86 miles north of Alaska's Kiska Island by the U.S. Coast Guard cutter Kimball during a routine patrol. There were two other Chinese Navy vessels and four Russian ships, including a destroyer, that were also observed moving in a single formation. Now, this is a little bit unusual. Um, so the United States decided that they would match presence with presence and send more to the area. And so uh, they had a USC-130 Hercules aircraft give air support for the Kimball uh, close by. Uh, so that is a story that I find interesting because if you listen to my uh, World War III signs are imminent, um, I, I talked about how we are moving troops around our uh, strategic areas, right? And I can't help but wonder if some of our troops, and when I say wonder, maybe I already know the answer to this question, are towards the area of these Chinese and Russian ships. Um, and when I talked in that episode, I talked about how there seems to be a little bit more cooperation between Beijing and Moscow and a deepening of a partnership and certainly seeing them traveling together should give people a little bit more pause about what's happening overall with uh, the Russians. Now, that's not to say that all of a sudden we're going to be um, battling with Ch China and Russia in these international waters that are up there. No, it's just it's important that we take note that we do have um, two countries that one that is currently hostile towards United States interest and the other that is uh, trying to diplomatically work things through, but still hostile, uh, placing warships and destroyers off our coast. And that should give everybody a little bit of concern. 
Good news is I know that our military is responding in kind and we've already been proactive about this. Now I'm going to end there today, but I just want to offer my prayers to those that are residing in the areas where Hurricane uh, Ian has touched down in Florida, that you're safe. You know, I, I'm reminded of years ago, I was in a car accident and my parents said, hey, a car can be repaired. A human life cannot, right? And so that's kind of the same here. The buildings that are damaged, they can all be repaired. The physical stuff, uh, that's not as important as your health. And so I hope that everybody is able to get the safety um, and that, you know, we'll come together as a community. We'll help you guys rebuild. That is absolutely for certain. Uh, so on a somber note there, I hope everybody is well. I know you had many things you can listen to today, but you chose to be here and I appreciate it. You've been listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network.